Hello, everybody. Welcome to Comedy Fir- Comedy Firm Nerds. I don't know. I've only said this name 500, 600 times. I'm sorry I screwed it up. Yeah, but there was a two-week break, so everything goes I, out the window. I don't know what I'm doing anymore. I barely remembered how to get to Burbank. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's weird. It's like two weeks, and then I was like, okay, well, I'm back in town. And I have this. Uh, oh, and our guest just fell <laughs> our off guest the balcony. Is super- <laughs> <laughs> and he's walking with uh, are you are you in the middle of a foley uh, recording session yeah. or are you secretly a mime it's a <laughs> i gotta be honest i'm hearing every third word you're saying that's because you're walking through a uh cement factory with <laughs> pots and pans <laughs> i'm trying i'm standing still in my bedroom <laughs> <laughs> all right sit down go in a corner as best as possible <laughs> sit down in a corner Put, and only speak when spoken to. Put a towel over your head. <laughs> Go. I'm just going to listen to you guys do the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, um, it's episode 473. That's our uh, guest, Joe Matarese. Yes. Uh, old, old comedy friend. I've yes. known him since we started comedy way back in Philly 100 years ago. And uh, kept in touch. Visited a couple of times in, in New York. He uh, was on um, America's Got Talent. And has uh, done all right for himself, Mr. Matarese. How's it going, Joe? So you think. So you think. <laughs> <laughs> Glad you think that. Yeah. That's good. And also, are you part of the All Things Comedy Network, too, right? With your new podcast? I, I'm not. I'm not. I would All right. To, never mind. I, I, was, I was part of them when you guys first came out. I had an old podcast of mine on their network. Oh, I see. So. That's what I'm thinking of. Okay. But and, the, now the new one is not. It's on. It's solo. It's yeah, it's pretty new. We're only uh, we're only eight episodes in, and it's called Life of Joe podcast. Life of Joe, and I have a co-host Andrew Steiner, and I do it. Nice. He's a comic here in New York. Very cool. So as you can tell, we have a guest on Skype, and uh, you know we never know what to expect with Skype because technology. So uh, Joe may be here in five minutes. He may not be. It's all up to Microsoft. <laughs> so. <laughs> Um, ladies and gentlemen, it's good to be back. I, um, I was sick last week and it was one of those things too, when you get sick, you're like, well, it's a podcast. You could usually power through it. Normally you can headache, backache, even stomach ache. But when you're coughing every four seconds with bronchitis, you're like, "Mm, can't get through it. And also no one in the building would appreciate it if I showed up. Nope. So, So, uh, I, uh, I bowed out and, uh, we're back in town and, uh, we got a lot of movies to talk about. First, we should talk about Spider-Man Far From Home. And, uh, we, I saw this over the, uh, the, the, the vacation and I gotta say, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was like a great, um, capping off to Marvel. I guess they call it like the phase four ending pretty mm-hmm. much before they start phase five. Or is it phase three? I don't, I don't remember what phase we're on. What yeah. are we on? Three, four. Not sure. Yeah. Not sure. <laughs> we're, we're ending three. We're starting four. Whatever. It does. Does it matter? No. Um, so I really like this movie. The the re- reason I like this movie too is Marvel always does something a little different with the films, and this one really felt like almost like an '80s teen romantic comedy with superheroes in it, which I thought was really cool. I thought it was really fun. It was almost like a uh, you know a teen school vacation movie which it was because they were in europe and then you added superheroes and villains and uh um i thought it was like a nice blend and mix of those things and also it's really really hard to follow infinity war it's like you know that is the ultimate 
Marvel movie, the culmination of all of these phases together, Endgame, like, you know, how do you come out with something next? And you have to do a smaller story. There's nothing, you can't top it. There's nothing more you can do. So you have to focus on something a little bit smaller. And I thought they did a good job with that for sure. So, Joe, can you hear us? Yeah, I can. Okay, good. Um, it's, it's not, it's definitely when you're on Skype, it's not easy to to talk over top of you so if yeah. i wait for you to get done a thought and then say mine <laughs> which is the stupidest thing ever and never works on anything so <laughs> uh, uh, I, i'm saying right. that because I, I i had been on the show chelsea Han- chelsea handler's old show uh, chelsea lately i did that like a handful of times and uh one thing you learned real quick on that show was if you try to wait for your turn the episode's over <laughs> so you ha- you learn fast and they even had a nickname for it they would call it a shutout if some comedian came on and he just didn't speak for the first two segments and then you just they just got in their their car and went home and were not on tv at all they just sat there but uh well that's really uh, an ego booster for sure Oh yeah, I thank God I was never one of those guys. It had happened in my career a little further along where I had already learned being nice and poli- polite doesn't work so well in show business. You almost have to be kind of hoggy and want to talk, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, gotta, you can't sit there. No, you got to steamroll in. Um, yeah, because there's a good chance one of the other guys, if you're in a panel situation, is going to want to talk a lot, and then he'll take all your talk away. So, but I, I don't think either of you guys are that way. I think you, you, you would ask me, "Hey, Joe, what did you think about this?" And then I could say that. Um, I didn't see the, uh, I didn't see the Spider-Man movie. I was going to. That was the plan. Is what I was going to see for your episode, and then. Um, I got sick and I was going to take my, like what you said, you were sick. I was sick and I was just out of commission and I had planned on taking my son to see it. And then it just never happened. So, uh, but it sounds like I would like it from what you're explaining. Cause I'm a huge fan and I always wondered why am I a huge fan of high school movies? I, I is that just a common thing? We all love a good movie about like growing up. If yeah. they're well done, yeah. Yeah, and I think our, especially maybe our age group, you know, we grew up with all those John Hughes movies that I think resonated with a lot of us. This sort of felt like a, a John Hughes movie with superheroes in it. Uh-huh. Um, I feel like the the last Spider-Man was similar, wasn't it? Well, I, I blend them all together in my head, like you were saying. You're like, is this the a prequel? Is it a this? Is it a that? Where is this in the Superman of, or in the uh, Spider-Man evolution of the of the superhero i don't even know because i'm a bad superhero fan so <laughs> was it was the last movie a little bit about high school too well yeah he's, that was that was young his, that, that was his first movie spider-man yeah and there and it also was a big licensing issue with sony to get the rights back to spider-man to actually put him in the marvel universe but uh what so it, they did a really interesting thing they introduced him um into uh civil war and that was kind of his intro. Like normally, these heroes get their own movie first before you see them in a uh, in an ensemble piece. But they did it opposite right. with him. So they were. I feel like they were kind of trying to kept, make up for lost time. Or like, oh yeah, we haven't had Spider Man here in the Marvel universe because of the Sony rights. But now we're we we've got him back. We've worked it out with the lawyers, and now uh, we're putting him in here. And now we're giving him his own movies. So as far as the Marvel movies go, this is his second solo Marvel movie. But, you know, there's been a ton of Spider-Man movies, everyone from the Sam Raimi to the um, Andrew Garfield movies that we won't talk about. 
but uh, well, well, you and you had also just said that you called it a smaller movie, and maybe that's why I liked it because one of the reasons why I think I have trouble with being a superhero movie fan is when they play big is when I don't like them, and when they play small, like the new release that I went to see today that we'll talk about later. Um, I tend to like small stories that are like, you know, feel like almost slice of life. So if this is like slice of life meets Spider-Man, I, I tend to like those better. Yeah, you'll probably like this better than the spectacle of like an Avengers movie for sure. Yeah, because so. this, this movie had more. Um, and that's the thing I really liked about the, first, the Homecoming, the, you know, the last one, Spider-Man Homecoming was it felt very sort of small and personal because that's who, you know, Spider-Man usually was not always dealing with the big mega villains and the, you know, Spider-Man would deal with big stuff, but it was never, you know, he's not an Avenger. I mean, he helps them out on occasion, whatever. But so that's the thing I liked about Homecoming. This movie, Far From Home, had a lot of parts that I liked, but I think I went in with too many expectations because Homecoming was so good, in my opinion, that I, I, didn't, I didn't dislike this movie, but I had a really hard time... Um, I didn't. I didn't get as fired up about it as uh, as I was about. Maybe my expectations coming out of Homecoming were so good that I didn't. I didn't think this was that great. What did you think of Mysterio? I like Mysterio. I like Jake Gyllenhaal. I like the Mysterio. It's a. It's a good character. It's a good yeah. villain because it's a complex villain, mm-hmm. which I like. It's not just like pure evil. You know, it's it's. He's got some good to him, some bad. And we called it, too. We're like, well, you know, Mysterio's a villain. I don't think, you know, the, we're seeing the trailers. Something, there's going to be a twist here. <laughs> which I'm glad they re- they yeah. didn't reveal in the trailers, which mm-hmm. made, the, made the reveal very interesting. Um, and there's a lot that I like. I mean, I'm, I'm, my, I'm nitpicking. I realize I'm nitpicking when I say it wasn't as good as Homecoming, because Homecoming is really, was a really fun movie. But this, you know, this is good, and this... You know, the Mary Jane reboot, and we got to kind of see that, you know, they just sort of introduced her a little bit in Homecoming, and this one was really about their relationship and the fostering of their relationship, and I like the... It got explored more in this Yeah, yeah, the retconning of her, you know, Mary Jane's always been sort of like girl next door, but this version, she's, you know, she's a little darker and a little cynical, and, you know, she was like, I want to go on the bridge where they used to execute people and all this Mm -hmm. stuff, which was cool, so... And, and and I think that that I forget her name, but she's a really good young actress, um, who's playing her. She's also in this uh, Zendaya. Zendaya. She's in this uh, HBO series Euphoria, which is I've watched like one or two episodes. It's pretty intense. It's well, about a young woman who just got out of rehab. Well, um, she's, she, a, she's a Disney uh, a Disney kid actress too. So it's the kind of thing where she kind of went on social media and warned her fans about Euphoria, where it's mm-hmm. you know it's not really a, a kid's movie or, or show rather. it's not a kid's show yeah. at all it's really adult but she's in, but it shows her range like how dark you know is the world of euphoria she's in drugs and trying to stay clean and all this stuff and so you know spider-man is definitely not that dark but she's sort of there the way they wrote mary jane is that she's a little darker of a character she's a little you know more cynical like i was saying she's a little more not goth per se but has that sort of vibe to her which i thought was interesting and really made their relationship interesting because she's like yeah I, I, and she's whip smart they and not that mary jane has ever really been written as like a ditz but this version she's really sharp and it really added i think to their their relationship 
And, uh, you know, interesting, Samuel Jackson, of course, is in it as Nick Fury and, uh, you know, following Captain Marvel and Avengers Endgame. I remember us talking last year about, uh, um, we, we talked about Black Panther, how it's unusual that when Black Panther was in Avengers Infinity War and also in Black Panther that two movies were playing in the same year that had the same character in them. And also they overlapped. They were actually playing in, in theaters at the same time. Marvel uh, took it one step further, and now we have Nick Fury in three movies in one year as the same character, which I don't think we've ever seen before. So I, I find that really interesting, although I think we are hitting that kind of um, superhero fatigue. I'm like, do we really need three Marvel movies in a year? Um, you know, we're definitely starting to see that, uh, especially now with Avengers being over. What's next for the Marvel Universe? Are they going to step back a little bit like they're doing with Star Wars? You know, we don't know for sure. But the thing I'm always impressed with at Marvel is they always seem to know that you know. <laughs> they know, I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's probably too much. We'll, 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 we'll course correct. Don't worry. And, uh, you know, it's very rare that you get fully disappointed on a, <laughs> on a Marvel movie. Right. right. And uh, now this was really interesting that, uh, um, according to storyboard artist Jeffrey Henderson, Mysterio was supposed to be one of the villains in Sam Raimi's canceled Spider-Man 4. And he was supposed to be played by Bruce Campbell, which would have been really oh, cool. Wow. I would have loved to have seen Bruce Campbell as Mysterio. So, sadly, that will never be. But all right, well, let's get to the, uh, the well, next. Uh, I got a quick question yes. before you you, mm-hmm. round, you round it all up because mm-hmm. uh, you you mentioned Samuel uh, Jackson now because uh, it's funny because that my uh, I was sick and I was stuck in the house and my wife or my uh, son rented uh, Captain America. Is that what it was? Or wait, 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 what? what? He was in another movie. He's in another superhero movie. <laughs> he's that a, he's just in all of them. Out in the last year. Boy, you are uh, a bad Samuel superhero Jackson. movie watcher. Was it Captain Marvel, <laughs> the one with uh, Brie Larson? Yeah, with that one. How old is that? That's <laughs> that's like maybe a few months, yeah. maybe. <laughs> it, it came out this year. Oh yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that we didn't get to the movie to what the the theater to see Spider Man, and then we rented it on iTunes. Because uh, it's funny because I got one of these projectors that you can project things on, and, and, you know, and I have a big screen and I was like, oh, let's project a movie. And then uh, these projectors have ways that they won't let you project from like uh, like a movie that's newer. It has some thing on it that won't allow it. And I thought if I bought it on <laughs> iTunes that it would allow it and it wouldn't. It wouldn't allow it to project. And I was like, this sucks. Technology so is great. Then I had to figure out how to get it on another TV. Now we're watching it there. But I'm watching Samuel L. Jackson. And I, I literally think he's got to the point where because it used to be the joke that he was in everything, right? He was in every movie ever. And it's gotten to the point where he's gone like he's actually lapped it. Where it's like, now it's like, literally he's been in everything, that now we just expect him in every movie. Like, and it's fine. Like, you expect him to be in every movie, is what I'm saying. Do you feel that way? With the superhero movies, it's like, well, well, Samuel L's got to be in. I don't have a problem with him being in everything. He plays a great role in the Marvel films, for sure, Nick Fury. Then he shows up every once in a while in the uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So it's, it's one of those characters that is like perennial where it's like, oh, well, did he get killed? No, Nick Fury never really no. dies. Or it's like it's one of the Nick Fury robots or whatever or something. So you're always going to see him pop up. But uh, so let's get, to well, the, uh, let's get to the movie that you saw, Joe, uh, Wild Rose. So tell, Wild us, Rose. tell us what this did was about. Did you even about. know about it? Uh, I didn't know about oh. it until you uh, told me that you were going to the theater to see it. 
<laughs> well, it was weird. It's like when you live in the burbs of New York City, you have two theaters that show like more of the uh, indie type uh, movies, the small movies that we just said that I tend to like to go see. So mm -hmm. I was like, well, now that I don't have to go see Spider-Man with my son, I'm going to pick a new release that I actually would want to see. So I, I went up, I looked up that movie theater and they had Pavarotti playing the documentary about Pavarotti. And then they had, uh, they actually had Toy Story 4, which I saw already. <laughs> that I little indie movie? About it on your last episode. That, that little indie movie, Toy Story 4? Yeah. Yeah, that, li that little indie movie, Toy Story 4, they had, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you get in these uh, suburban, like, uh, supposedly uh, hip movie theaters the other thing you get in these hit movie theaters i find that i love is everyone in the audience watching is in their 80s and 90s <laughs> I've, be I I've gotten to the point where those are my favorite people to watch movies <laughs> well they're they not shut up the yeah, whole time they're not on <laughs> their phones talk. they're not no. talking once in a blue moon you get one that's like so what did he say <laughs> you know and you're just like everyone's in a blue moon but they're not like yeah. on their phones or fucking around or anything like that occasionally you hear some snoring but that's okay yeah <laughs> someone's always unwrapping a, a cough drop a little too loudly but that's like the worst that it's gonna be <laughs> I actually posted a picture of what they had playing, and and I put it on my Instagram saying, "Guess what I saw?" And a uh, few people were wrong. So they had Maiden, which I had to do research to see what the heck that was about. That was a documentary about the these people that sail. <laughs> uh, it looked pretty interesting. It got like a ninety six percent on Rotten Tomatoes. And they had they had Rocket Man, which another one that's not a small movie. I had already seen that. And then they had that Beatles one yesterday. Did you guys already talk about that? No, one? we're about to. It's been out for a little while. Yeah, I saw that. We'll talk about that in a sec when you're done with this. Okay. And then they had uh, the Pavarotti and then Wild Rose. So I what kind of made me pick Wild Rose was is that I seem to like these kind of movies that are about somebody in the arts trying to figure out how to make it. I, I seem to go see those movies <laughs> a lot. <laughs> and this was about a British girl who wants to uh, get to Nashville and become a country music star. Oh wow! And she's from and she's from Gla Glasgow, England. From uh, you mean Scotland? Yeah, is that Scotland? <laughs> Glasgow, Scotland? I'm such an idiot. Oh my god, that that explains so much of the movie. <laughs> Idiot. Scotland, England. What's the difference? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Ask somebody in the UK what the difference is. No, they're they're not. They yeah. won't get mad at that, that at all. Explains the long train ride to London. I was like, oh man, all right. <laughs> I didn't think England was that big. Yeah. <laughs> no, England was that big. Glasgow. Yeah. I need to get out of New Jersey and New York. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh i don't know what, what what do you want to ask me about the movie i want to first of all like to know about the movie first of all did you like it and second of all uh why there we'll start there okay i literally i i had posted afterwards also i said this the guess which movie uh, changed my life it was one of those movies you know those movies that just you're like was I was that meant for me right now? Like it just fit my life situation right now. And those are the movies I tend to like when I I'm like a, I always used to think, am I super narcissistic or movies 
are supposed to be specific and really appeal to everybody all at the same time, right? Like that's something that's good is when you you write about yourself and then it just happens to resonate with everybody because we can relate. So one of the reasons I love this movie, and I I don't want to give it away though. That's the problem here. You guys like to do the spoil alert. Type, well, uh, uh, you, you want can, me to give the ending of the movie away? No, don't give the ending away. Those are separate episodes. Just you can sort of talk, you know, broad strokes about some specific things. But if there's like a key thing from the ending, don't give that away. Okay. Well, another reason why I really liked it is it wasn't like a Hollywood movie where they gave it the happy ending, but it still had a happy ending. But because it was happy in a way that it went the reverse as you thought it was going to go, which made it kind of pretty cool and interesting. Oh, wow. Like this is a this is a girl who wants to get to Nashville. Right. And then what was interesting, and I think a comedian would really like it, is she finally gets to Nashville and she's like, what the fuck? Everybody's trying to do what I'm doing. Like that was really cool because <laughs> you don't see that that often in a movie where. I, I always get, it's like when I get depressed it's like when, a, when I go to comedy clubs that have yeah. a lot of comedians on the wall and you look at them and you go, look how many of these guys never made it. Like I get depressed because I've been doing stand up so long that I don't like I don't like to be reminded, hey, the odds are really fucking low that you're going to make it. <laughs> like, that's the worst. <laughs> yeah, well, it's like when a comedian gets off a, uh, a bus or a, a plane to uh, L.A. or New York, like from, you know, somewhere else. I'm like, all right, this is where comedians were really going to make it. Like for a, a second in your head, you're thinking, yeah. I'm the first person who's ever had this idea. And then you go. Well, that, that's what they did really well in this movie. It had two different scenes making fun of anyone that thought that. They did it really <laughs> subtle and well. That she, she goes into this hotel and just the way that she like, ha- she went from having that smile on her face like I've made it to realizing really fast what am I? What a, who am I kidding? And it was really cool the way they did it. I thought it was genius. That that's cool, and it, it's when that's handled correctly, especially like you say, as us comedians, anyone can understand, and especially you know us comedians. Nowadays we, they do yeah, too. Yeah. Well, people real people know it now from seeing all the shows about show business. Now they get it. They get it now. Yeah, and and it's funny because like the three of us specifically, you know, we all moved to Los Angeles like in the 90s during the like comedians get sitcoms era you know like you're gonna get uh-huh. a, a TV show and we all came out here and, and were hoping for that and remember seeing like I can remember you know just going to like the comedy store or the Laugh Factory or one of those big clubs and you'd just be like who's just hanging out there all these comics with all these massive tv credits just hanging out you know doing sets or whatever and you were like wow i don't have any of this stuff i don't have any of these credits you know <laughs> like and how right. you have to kind of how do i get on evening at the improv yeah force yourself there's a there's a great scene in this movie where she she goes to a bar where someone's playing on stage in nashville and she asked the waitress how to get how do we get on stage and the waitress gives her this f- such a dead on fucking honest answer like it's a 6 month wait you have to do this 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 and this and then 
you might get on and then you might meet somebody who's going to introduce you to this guy that might know somebody that's going to introduce you to this guy <laughs> makes a face. And I was like, Oh my God, the way and they weren't, they did. The other thing is, is they didn't do it a Hollywood way where it was playing like you were watching some over the top comedy. It's, this was a drama. So I, I liked it better the way they did it. It wasn't like they weren't going for laughs at all. They were going for honesty. So it was played that a little was, more subtly than over the top. Well, it was a, it, it's because it was a, it had a British style to it, did mm. not have an American style to it at all. Mm. Or maybe a Scottish style. Or a Scottish <laughs> style. <laughs> Craig Ferguson. Wrote yeah. <laughs> So, well, cool. Well, that actually makes me want to see it now. And it's a movie I was not aware of until you said you were going to go see it. So that's great. Yeah, the director, um, he, Tom Harper, has done a fair amount of TV. He's done Electric Dreams, The Sun, uh, War and Peace, uh, you know, smaller stuff, The Woman in Black 2 and Peaky Blinders and, you know, done some shorts. So that's, that's quite a genre hop. That is a big genre hop. That <laughs> is a big that's... genre hop. But it, that, that's, I think, sometimes lends itself to these, you know, uh, smaller, low budget, you know, indie dramas that, that you can get a filmmaker who, um, you know, he's a BAFTA nominated British film and TV director and producer and, you know, who can capture that. I think you would need a, a, a director from the UK to capture that because, you know, we, we grew up in other cities than LA or Nashville. So, but it's even, I think it's even times 10 if you live in like another country and your dream of Hollywood or Nashville is going to be even more skewed than if you lived in the U S you know, because it's so out it's it's like the trip is like you got to get a plane ticket to even think about that dream you can't just pack up your civic and drive a couple of days or whatever you know um yeah so i think it's it's probably made sense and why it, you're saying joe that it that it did have a, a british tone to it because that it, they they picked the right director to tell the story who wrote who wrote the script i'm curious the script because it was one of those movies that like, yeah, the director did a great job in a way that have you ever seen movies? I call them nothing's happening, but they're doing it so well that nothing is better than a lot. It's one of those kind of movies that right. like it, it plays really honest, like nothing's going on, but it's, it's coming off the screen so well to the audience because it's written so well. Yeah. Again, it's somebody, Nicole Taylor, who has a big TV background written for three girls, the C word. Uh, Indian Summers, Dracula. These are all TV. So she comes from a really big TV, episodic TV background, um, which which I think the fact that we're because of all the streaming services and all the channels and all the out, you know, the the platforms. I think episodic writing is like at its peak. It's a pinnacle right now. So if anyone's working in that world, the one hour episodic is like, we've been living in a yeah. golden age of it for probably the last 10 to 15 years. It started with sort of HBO 15 years ago. And now that you have Hulu and Netflix and Amazon Prime and Showtime and everybody else. So when you're, you're, you're probably, there's just a really solid pool of writing talent. And which is obviously this sounds like this woman, Nicole did a great job and it was a good pairing between her and the director and and it sounds like this lead actress. That's interesting that you say that because I only lived in L.A. for a short time, and it was back in that time where 
if somebody wrote on Seinfeld, like if they wrote one episode or they were on the staff for a year, like that made you want to like you wanted that guy to like want to write your idea. Like that was all it was exciting. Oh, my God, he wrote a Seinfeld. And now it's like (laughs) the best writers write to, you know, these uh, non-network TV dramas. It sounds like out there now. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So, well, that's interesting, man. So it sounds like Wild Rose. I'm, I definitely want to check that out. You yeah, recommend it to people? Yeah, I would see it now, too. Yeah. The other thing that was kind of cool that was mixed into the story was that she was a mom. She oh. had two little kids when she was young. You don't really find that out until farther in. But you know that she's a mom. And uh, and she's lying. And she's not telling anybody she was a mom. And uh, so if you have kids, you relate to it, too, because you're like, this is fucking so hard. Like, she's trying, <laughs> she's trying to do this. Like, without the kids, it's hard. And she's trying to do it with the kids. And you're like, oh, oh my God. And, like, her mom's taking care of her kids for her. And her mom just so doesn't want her to fucking do it. And then there's a really interesting reason for that, too. It's like, uh. it just had a lot of good things come together in one script. It, it, it was it was telling us a, a good story from like three or four different characters at the same time. Oh, wow. cool! Wow. All right, yeah. so check out Wild Rose. Yeah, I think it'll be nominated for one of the best movies this year. That's how good oh, wow. I think it was. Okay, all right, you heard it here first. All right, uh, all right. So now, Graham, you saw yesterday. Now, this is a really interesting premise of the film, where you know a, a guy wakes up to where um, all of a sudden the Beatles music never existed. Yeah. So it's it's the, the, all this stuff is in the trailer, so I'm not giving any of this away. But he's uh, been a singer songwriter, struggling. He's like 30 now. He's probably been doing it six, seven years, and it's just not in his. And his manager is this woman that totally believes in him more than he believes in himself. And so he's just like, and he's doing, and that's the other thing too. talk about, you know, us, I think comedians and musicians can so relate because there's so much overlap to what our worlds are like, you know, and he's doing, you know, he's like, finally gets like, Oh, I'm going to be at this big festival. And it's like, Oh shit, here you go. And he's in some tent way off the main stage and there's 12 people, you know what I mean? And there's just like, no one's paying attention. And, you know, there's just like people who just come into the tent to get out, to get cool and to buy a beer, you know, and, and just, you know, all of us can relate to all the crappy gigs we've had to do. And, and so he's just like, I'm not going to make it. I'm going to quit. It's just not going to happen. I'm done. And, and this woman who's a manager is like, no, you're the best. You're the best. And he's like, look, you know, you, you're, you're just saying that like you're my mom or something, you know, it just, I don't, it's not going to happen. And uh, all the lights, the electricity goes out on the whole planet and he gets hit by... A, that's the event? That's the event, mm-hmm. yep. So he gets hit by a car and he wakes up in the hospital and nobody knows who the Beatles are. Mm-hmm. And, so are you... Well, <laughs> right, so nobody... So it becomes a science fiction movie real fast. Yeah, in mm-hmm. the, in the, but yeah, in a really cool, interesting way. It's like a... Okay. A, I don't know what you'd call it. I mean, it is science fiction, but it's really like a quirky love story. Um, and also it's just a love letter to Beatles music. I mean, it is just a, figured, lo- a yeah. love letter to mm-hmm. Beatles music. Obviously Danny Boyle loves the, loves the Beatles. And, you know, so, so there's a scene that's in the trailer where he plays yesterday and everyone goes, Oh my God, this is so amazing. It's a funny scene because, uh, and one of the friends goes, yeah, it's good, but I mean, it's, you know, it's not Coldplay. <laughs> 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 and, 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 you know, 
and the, 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 what makes it's like an inside joke because uh, Danny Boyle was originally uh, Ed Ed Sheeran, you know, who's a big famous singer songwriter, is in the movie, and that was originally going to be Chris Martin, the lead singer of Coldplay, but he couldn't do it during a scheduling conflict, so they offered it to Ed Sheeran, but then they just kept that joke in the script. So. And, 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 and this is in the trailer. He becomes a megastar because everyone's like, these songs are awesome. And it's, it, it's really well written. Um, and there's all these beautiful moments in it. There's a lot of, I won't spoil them, but there's other things that he'll just mention and people go, no, what's that? And he's like, what? You don't know what, you know, and there's a couple um, stuff like that that's in there. There's some jokes when the, because the Beatles aren't there. There's a really. You don't know what a cronut is? Yeah. yeah, there's this weird stuff in there. Like, like, um, there's just some stuff in there. You're like, huh? And w- which, and the way they do that is funny. Um, I'm cu- I'm curious. Why is his his character? What is the connection to the Beatles in in the second half, and why he's coming up with these amazing Beatles songs? He thinks he's coming up with them. He's just writing. No, them. no, he, he knows know where they're coming no, from. No, he knows. He is, he's the only one oh, that he rem- knows. He's aware. Okay. Yeah. He's like, he knows all these Beatles songs and they're like, Oh, we've never uh, heard of this. So he sings yesterday for his friends and they go, that's the most amazing okay. song. I mean, that's amazing. He goes, yeah, of course. Are you guys, are you guys messing with me? <laughs> so he starts to go, all right, if I can remember all these lyrics to Beatles songs and every, he keeps coming up with them and everyone's like, you're the most amazing singer songwriter ever. You've just, you know, <laughs> You know, like it's crazy. So, so it's his super, his superhero. It's a superhero power to him. Yes, and then he feels, but, but, and he's using it to get famous. Does yes, that start to happen. Yeah, so he gets crazy okay. famous, and he starts to feel guilty. You know, like, and and he's like, I don't, you know, and how that unfolds, and I don't want to say much. Right, right. But there's. There's a couple things. There's one thing that happens towards the end that is really, really beautiful and brought tears to my eyes. There's another thing, sort of the big ending, which I was a little like, ah, oh, that felt a little, little cliche. But again, this is me nitpicking. It was a, it's a beautiful, fun movie. And if you love the Beatles, you will love it. And there's really quirky, there's great little jokes in it. I mean, I like Danny Boyle's movies, so uh, it's... And again, it's a bunch of, I mean, the, the lead actor and the, they're not, I don't know them from, they don't have a lot of famous stuff that I'm aware of. So, but he's a really does good. He, does he have to find like a, a Ringo and a, and a John Lennon? Does he, no. or is he doing them solo? He does them all solo. Mm. And it's just so, so, so the <laughs> world. Asshole, he's keeping all yeah, the Exactly. Money. Exactly. So that's, that's why <laughs> the world thinks he is like, he's the messiah of music like they're just like who and he you know is going to release this mega album which is like all of the Uh, beatles amazing songs oh yeah the greatest hits yeah Yeah. like there's a funny scene where where ed sheeran (laughs) sees him and goes dude like he does some local tv show in in some small town in england where he plays a song and ed sheeran comes up to him and says man i want you to come on the road with me our first gig is in moscow and so he opens up in Moscow opening up for Ed Sheeran and he sings back in the USSR and Ed Sheeran's like, you just wrote that on the plane. That's the most amazing thing I've ever seen. <laughs> you know, it's just like, we, I just told you we're going to Moscow and you just write a song about the, the USSR. I mean, that's crazy. And then there's all these little jokes. This like, this joke is in the trailer where he sings, Hey Jude. And they're like, I don't know, maybe it should be, Hey dude, you know, like, um, and, uh, you know, it's just, it's really, it's a fun, beautiful 
love story and a love letter to the Beatles. So I, I, I can't, I really cannot recommend this movie enough. So I would, I would, wow. you know, and. There was some interesting trivia there about uh, 20 Beatles songs. Danny mm-hmm. Boyle secured for the use in the film, only of which about 17 appear in the final cut. And as expensive as it was to get the rights to the songs, he said it's the only second most expensive asset he's had to acquire for a film. And the other one was ensuring Leonardo DiCaprio's face. <laughs> wow. What? Yeah. There's a, and I barely remember Leonardo DiCaprio's face in the movie, but that's how expensive his face is. <laughs> that is great. So, so that's the biggest thing. You want Leonardo DiCaprio in your movie? Yeah, but you got to ensure his face. That's going to cost you more than having him in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> are, are, are you allowed to tell us what starts making the wheels fall off this this? Um, trained to superstardom like something has to fall apart to like take the story somewhere well you know if i any sort of answer to that kind of might reveal it it goes into spoiler territory so it's it's um there's just some cool stuff towards the end that's really where there's one thing that i thought was a little cliche and again maybe i'm nitpicking Mm -hmm. um but if you end up watching this movie, just call me up and say, is it this scene, Graham? Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> um, but no, there's, 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 it's a very inventive film and, and it's a lot of fun. And this, this lead actor, he does a great job of going through the emotions of all of this. And it, it'd yeah. be funny. It'd be, it sounds like it'd be a funny premise for a stand up bit that a, a guy gets the power, but it's not for the Beatles music. He's like, plays them he knows the monkeys and he just doesn't get famous at all like you realize it was just a fucking it was yeah. like total luck yeah it was just like oh, no, one, no one likes last train to clarksville i don't know this is ridiculous i do, I do like the monkeys but it's just it's definitely a bit bit there somewhere that you're like i don't know who it would be neil diamond or somebody is just not doesn't doesn't hit it out of the park the second time through yeah, so that you can just like these these acts don't hold they didn't they don't withstand the test of time the way the Beatles music does. So, all right, and I actually saw a movie on a plane, Stan and Ollie, which is a movie that I it's a biopic that I really wanted to see Ooh. when it came out, and uh, it was one of those movies that just it came and went in the theaters like almost instantly, and uh, I was like, oh, I always wanted to catch this movie. I'm like, all right, I'm trapped on an airplane, I'm coughing, I'm gonna watch this movie. <laughs> so this is uh. Uh, this is, it was a really interesting biopic because, uh, you know, we've talked about these movies um, many times. And one of the things that uh, a good biopic can do, let's say you don't know that much about these people. A good biopic will bring you into that world, teach you why you should care and how these people were innovative and revolutionary in their field. Um, this biopic didn't do any of those oh, things. Fantastic. It, uh, <laughs> it, it made, and I'm not saying it as a bad thing, but I'm saying as a creative choice, it was really a really interesting creative choice because what it did was it focused on Stan and Ollie's um, career and lives towards the end. Like you didn't see them get famous. You didn't see them at their heyday. You saw them as things were winding down and they were kind of doing a, uh, a live tour through some states, oh, through okay. the States and through, um, through England. And uh, they were they were basically things were winding down. It was before you know Oliver Hardy also started developing heart problems and was going to pass away soon. So it was a really interesting choice to take like that specific part in their lives and that specific part in time and their careers 
So this movie was really for people that already were fans of theirs, that maybe grew up watching their videos, or even as kids watched the old reruns on TV like we did, like with the Three Stooges and all of these things. I saw, you know, the old Laurel and Hardy movies, but it spent no time explaining who they were, why they were famous, and why they were so innovative at all. I mean, it really was like, all right, you already know who they are. We're going to drop you into this one moment in their lives, and this is what the movie is going to be. So it was a very... A very, very interesting way to uh, limit your appeal and audience for a biopic. <laughs> I'm, try- I'm trying so. <laughs> to think of some other biopics that did that, where they just picked a specific yeah. like time that it wasn't their heyday. I'm trying to – maybe that – I remember they did that with one of the Babe Ruth movies. I forget but, which one. But it it's also like, spent no time in telling you why they got to be as big as they were. Like they're like you never saw like any of them, you know, shooting right. their bits and what was made them famous and what made them innovative and all of those things. You didn't see any of right. that. Uh, I will right. say though the uh, the performances were fantastic. John C. Riley was mm-hmm. fantastic, um, um, and uh, uh, Steve Coogan fantastic. I mean, they were both really good. And it was interesting. I saw back to back. It was uh, Holmes and Watson and Stan and Ollie. And I'm thinking, all right, do I want to like John C. Riley or hate John C. Riley? <laughs> Which movie do I want to see? Uh, so. I was. It's unhateable. Yeah, I don't know. Really? I don't know. (laughs) Holmes and Watson. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So, so Stan and Ollie. I will say it's a decent movie, but it is a very specific. It was almost like a fan uh, film of like, uh, like, all right, if you're fans of, um, you know, Oliver and Hardy, and you know something about their lives and what they did, here's like a snapshot of like their their final days together. Which was, um, like I said, it was a creative choice. Like, if I was an investor, I probably would have said no <laughs> and said, well, maybe you need to do a more traditional biopic so we can see them get famous and see why and, and bring other people into this story. Um, and <laughs> apparently the director said, nope, <laughs> we're going to make it very specific. People already know who Stan and Ollie are. I'm like, mm, not everyone. Uh, <laughs> uh, and we're, we're just going to do this moment, the snapshot of their lives, a, a moment in time type of thing. So, I will say this: If well, you're a fan, plus it's a lot different to do a movie about a specific time if they've already done lots of movies about somebody's life before, but they haven't done movies no, about no. Stan and Ollie's life. Honestly, I thought this could have been a really inclusive, interesting biopic if they went through everything and how they how they got famous and why they were innovative. But um, so I think there's room for another biopic of Stan and uh, <laughs> Ollie. Uh, Three more. Yeah, but there's there it was definitely worth a view uh, for sure if you're if you're a fan. If you're not a fan or you don't know who they are, I don't. You're probably not going to see the point of the film. <laughs> so all right. So all right. Now we have some Patreon sponsors. Graham, we have a new one this month. Oh. We have all our returning um, fan favorite Patreon sponsors, and then we have a new one. All right, and Joe, if you could turn off your uh, air conditioner, that'd be great. <laughs> Just kick on. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Johnny Rowland's back promoting his novel titled Green Cheek, A Junkie's Guide to Street Magic, and it's available on Amazon in both digital and hard copy. It's an experimental stream of consciousness novel which follows the exploits of the Amuse Calliope, an immortal lover, T.S., on a journey through time, dreams, and the hidden place of a supernatural America. The website is happyhorrorshowproductions.com, happyhorrorshowproductions.com. And Fanboy Planet, a website and podcast for all things geeky and amazing. Check out Fanboy Planet for your comics news, your movie news, TV news, and amazing interviews with industry insiders and artists. Check out fanboyplanet.com. And from Chris Parker Howard, Coffee for Suicide, a dramedy podcast about mental illness and choosing life over death, one cup of coffee at a time. No episodes every Friday, wherever podcasts are found. Find out more at coffeeoversuicide.com. That's coffeeoversuicide.com. 
And Alice Frazier, uh, co-host of the Bugle podcast and host of Tea with Alice, brings you a series of three genre-bending solo stand-up shows that explore the boundary between comedy and tragedy. The shows were recorded back-to-back as a three-hour show at the Melbourne Com- International Comedy Festival with a binaural microphone, which creates an intensely immersive listening experience. Check out alicefrazier.com with an S, alicefrazier.com. And the art podcast with Rebecca Evans. When we move past hesitation, we're true to ourselves. We find our own art and life. New episode with artist Mickey Caputo, uh, the art podcasts with an S.com, the art podcast.com. And new, this is from Tony McFadden, Aussie, an Aussie noir book, The Murder of Jeremy Brooks. The police say it was a mugging gone bad. She thinks it was a targeted attack. More info at tonymcfadden.net slash JB. That's T O N Y M C F A D D E N dot N E T slash JB. So check out those Patreon subscribers. Thank you, Patreon. Folks, go to patreon.com slash comedy film nerds and uh, you can support the show in any number of ways. Uh, bonus content uh, starts at $5 a month and for $50 a month we'll read your whatever your business or story or book like we just did so it's a great way to support the show so check it out and uh, on DVD and Blu-ray this uh, week is Shazam and uh, this one was uh, really fun this yeah. was the kind of movie that I really felt the trailers did it no right. favors and uh, but when we got to the movie, I'm like, oh, this is DC's Marvel movie. It was really, really a fun movie. I enjoyed uh, the hell out of it. Yeah, it was fun. Mm-hmm. And the end, the, the thing about it's it's setting up actually a Shazam verse, which I'm really excited yes. about. We've mm-hmm. talked about when when other movies try to like, you know, Universal tried to do that with the Mummy and everything. And it was like it, when the, when movies try to shoehorn a universe that isn't there, it yes. doesn't make sense. But DC has its own world, its own universe, so it, it should it should just be done correctly. Especially when th- this movie was was fun, and then you've got Wonder Woman, which was really great. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, if you didn't see Shazam in the theaters, definitely check it out. Yeah, for sure. And on the site spotlight, I want to know we are closing out the Thrilling Adventure Hour store. So until the end of the month, everything is twenty five percent off uh, with the code Sparks S P A R K S twenty five percent off all Thrilling Adventure Hour merch and. Uh, once the Thrilling Adventure Hour announced it, the stuff is going fast. So if you want to grab a T-shirt, a poster, or a DVD, definitely check it out. You have another uh, week or two. Then come the end of July, it will be gone from the store. Boom. Get it. So, And premiering this week, this is another uh, big Disney giant um, weekend with the Lion King remake. And uh, it's interesting. It's very easy to fall into that trap of like saying it's a live action remake. It is not. It is an animated remake because everything was done in the computer. It doesn't have the luxury of saying live action like Jungle Book when you had one human character. There aren't any in this movie. So everything is, um, I mean, it's very rare that an animated movie gets remade as an animated movie. So, um, and I, I, I was skeptical of the Jungle Book one, but I did like it. Um, you guys won me over. You're like, I don't know. It might be pretty good. It's John Favreau. I'm like, all right, well, check it out. And like, and it was good because it did different things than the actual animated mm-hmm. movie. It went back to the source material and, uh, you know, it was darker and it was a, a lot more interesting than I thought it would be. So I liked it. I'm a little more skeptical about the Lion King remake because there's no source material book. There's nothing to really go back to. And I feel like this seems to be like exactly what we've come to expect. Another shot by shot remake that's unnecessary. Yeah. I mean, the first movie is fine. It's, it's, Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I wonder why they just, they could have just re-released it. But I, I mean, like I agree this, the jungle book thing was so cool, but this seems like, do I just need a computer graphic animated version of it? with just different actors' voices? I, I don't know that I need that because the original I was don't. so great. Yeah. <laughs> 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 now, now, uh, now, Joe, have you 
do you take your 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 you have one kid or two i forget I have two, so I have an 11 and a seven-year-old. So have you taken them to a lot of these Disney movies over the years? And, what you know, like, what are their reactions to it? Sure. And we actually even took our kids a couple weeks ago to see The Lion King on Broadway. And uh-huh. I had never seen it on Broadway. Uh, it's hilarious because it's literally, I think it's been on Broadway for 22 years. It's like maybe second to Cats as long as right. running Broadway show or something. I don't know. But, uh... uh I don't know. I, I didn't even love it on Broadway, to be honest. I like I, I the second half of it on, on Broadway. I was like, oh, it's good. I don't know. It, 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 maybe it's the same with the movie where you're just like, you just know it too well that it's like, I don't know. It's like I was listening to oldies, when I, but, it, but you're supposed to be watching it like you saw it for the first time, you know, when you go see something or see these in the movie theater. It's like if you're going to hear the same songs and the same story over again, I don't I don't know the reason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did your kids like the Broadway show? Oh, yeah. I mean, they loved it. Yeah, they loved it. I don't think my son's old enough that he knows it wasn't amazing like i said to him did you like it and he's like mm. he's like he'll never he's when you're 11 you never go that sucked i don't know he never says that right if for him to not like it he'll just go oh, it was okay it wasn't bad it was pretty good and that just means it sucked <laughs> <laughs> you know because he liked the uh, willy wonka and the chocolate factory on broadway like a thousand times better which i can i could see why Mm-hmm. Uh, this, this, I don't know the, the story. I don't know. I didn't. Cause I'm I think, sure you're like seven I, year old is probably just like, that's awesome. Right. They just kind of think everything's great a little bit. <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like it's one of those shows that the music is the best part of it. Not the story. Right. Whereas now we've seen animated things. Like you even talked about toy story, which isn't a musical, but like these these animated movies now will have a great story. They'll have great original music in it. Like, why are you going to go see The Lion King, which you know all of it? There's yeah. just so much good stuff out there where it just blows you away. You're going, this is like, I, not not to compare, like, to watch movies with our kids. We watched The Greatest Showman the other day. Mm-hmm. I had never seen it before. Have you guys seen that one with your yeah. kids ever? Mm-hmm. It's like, it's so good. And like, it's just so good and just like, I don't know, I, I can't see The Lion King. I, like like you said, unless you rewrote all music and and told a different story, I don't, I don't see the point. Yeah, I don't know. Rehearing the same songs again. I, since I do have two kids, I probably will be seeing it this weekend, so I'll report back yeah, next week. To. Yeah, <laughs> and Is there the, any like big and, singing stars in it that are going to like, you're gonna go well. What's his name singing all the songs? So you really want to hear it? Oh, um, yes, they're big stars, but nobody that makes me really want to hear yeah. it. <laughs> I mean, believe like, me, who's the, the biggest believe, star? In, who's did, the biggest voice in the movie? Well, they actually brought James Earl Jones back to do uh, the father, oh, but uh, well, but you've got you've got cool. like Seth Rogen, and you know you've got the you know anyone who's uh, um, on the A list right now is going to be in this movie. But uh, Elton John, Elton John is singing his <laughs> own music, or is somebody else doing it? That I'm not sure. I don't know. I have to check that. Uh, but uh, honestly, I, I haven't really given it a lot of research because I've been trying to avoid it. But uh, <laughs> but I think I'm going to be uh, I'm going to be seeing You're it making, this weekend. What's the Rotten Tomatoes uh, <laughs> score on it? Would it give it? Oh, I don't know. That's uh, it's not out yet. 
That's a great question. But to uh, see with the preview, that might end up being on like tomorrow. Like that's usually preview day. Right. It's uh, is Wednesday that might start appearing. I mean, they're obviously spending a lot of money on um, marketing. On marketing for yeah. it. You know, it has. I'll tell you what. If I when I go, it has a fifty nine percentage on Fandango. With the, oh no, this is Rotten Tomatoes. It's fifty nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes. That's not great. No, I, I see ninety. I see ninety three percent. What am I looking at? Oh, oh that's nineteen ninety four's version. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> that's hilarious. That, that, that I really saw that in real time. It sounds like <laughs> I made a joke. <laughs> <laughs> so no, you're right. Fifty nine percent is what it gets now out of a hundred people. That tells you right now. That's not that, a lot of reviews. That that to me is enough to know I'm not going to go see it. <laughs> Uh, and also, other studios are avoiding it, too. I was looking at all the new releases. It's like Lion King and uh, a bunch of um, indies that are in limited release. That's like it. So well, no, everyone else was like, nope, we're steering clear this weekend. I know what I'm going to do <laughs> with my movie theater subscription pass. I'm going to go see something indie I haven't seen this weekend. For sure. I mean, that'll be good because I'm probably going to have to see Lion King. That'll be good. See, see what the counter-programming is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, that's our episode. Yes. Um, Joe, thank you for doing the show. Where can people uh, find you online, tour dates, your podcast? podcast uh everything is joematteris.com if they want my uh, podcast is downloadable on all the places you listen to podcasts but it's also a visual podcast if you want to watch us do the podcast all the episodes are on my website joematteris.com but it's called life of joe if you want to search it it's myself and this comedian who's hilarious named andrew steiner and we do it every week and we talk about my life and then we basically our joke is that life of joe we're all joes and my life is your life and we're all dealing with the same shit so that's kind of what the show's hook is and our listeners send in uh voicemails and uh video clips sharing their life also oh, that's cool on on our subjects oh great and, and then you you do this mental health comedy tour Yes, yes, that's brand new. I'm doing something called the Mental Health Comedy Tour, and we're uh, touring around uh, the country, and we're uh, connected with a nonprofit called To Write Love on Our Arms. They're a pretty big nonprofit that deals a lot in suicide and suicide prevention, and we have uh, four comedians, and we all have different forms of mental health, and we make light of it. We don't punch down, as we say. We kind of punch up. Good for you, man. You know. That's oh, definitely something yeah. that needs and to be dealt with, and to be dealt with in a comedic fan- ma- manner is excellent. Is that touring? Is that out now? Yeah, yeah. We're it's brand new. Literally, uh, we're just literally uh, have a, our website is about to be launched. It's pretty new. We've only done two shows so far: one oh, okay. in uh, New York, and we did one in Connecticut, and then. Uh, we're taking it around, and we're going to be going into a lot of colleges and stuff like that. Oh, that sounds great. So go to JoeMatterese.com, everybody, and you know, you'll know you get updates on the Mental Health Comedy Tour, and you can listen to his podcast and all that. Um, I uh, So Chris and I will be at Comic-Con this week. Um, I'm doing uh, Doug Loves Movies Wednesday at American Comedy Company, and of course Thursday the 18th we will be this is i don't know our sixth maybe seventh year in a row of doing the uh rick myers uh superhero kung fu extravaganza kung fu movie extravaganza. kung fu movie <laughs> extravaganza and we love doing it so if you're in san diego and you have a pass please come thursday at eight thursday at eight o'clock 
Um, and, uh, you know, we'll be recording an episode with Rick, yep. t- getting updates as we do every year on what's going on with martial art movies. So check that out. Yes. And then um, and then Friday, I'll be doing a signing for Long Ago and Far Away with Starburns Press in their uh, table at the small press area, M04. That will be noon on Friday. And you can either bring your book or I'll have a bunch of books to sign. And then I'll also have some free bookmarks. So check it out. It's my first uh, Comic-Con signing. Very excited about it. Friday at noon at Starburns Press, booth M04. Uh, yeah, and then the Progressive Comedy Tour with Ron Placona and myself, uh, July 27th. We're going to be in Las Vegas. And then we just locked in a whole tour in the middle of the country in September. So the 4th, we're doing uh, Omaha. The 5th, we are doing uh, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. The 6th, we're doing Madison, Wisconsin. The 7th, Minneapolis, Minnesota. And the 8th, Iowa City. So go to GrahamElwood.com for all of your tour dates. And also, there's about uh, eight days left on my Indiegogo to send me to Russia to do a little mini documentary on what life is actually like there. Uh, if you just go to Indiegogo.com and type in Graham Goes to Russia, you can see it. You can donate and get bonus stuff. Uh, so thank you so much for supporting everything that we do here. Joe, thank you again for taking time out of your day. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, and fun. for heating up without the air conditioner. Yeah, buddy, really talking to it. us without the AC on. I'm sweating through my clothes. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we hope to put you back. We want to get our guests in shape. That's part of what it is. It's like we're like the Bikram <laughs> Yoga. Thanks for giving me a reason to yeah. go see a new release. There you go. Out of the house. Good. Yeah, good. Good. We're the Bikram Yoga of podcasts. <laughs> so um, uh, thank you, Joe. Thank you, Aaron, our, our producer here at All Things Comedy. My name is Graham Elwood. And I'm Chris Mancini. And as always, remember, Han, Han shot, shot first. first. Comic-Con. Mm.